Good evening, Purple family. Welcome to Shades of Purple, a Prince podcast. On tonight's episode, I'm going to be talking about Prince's love life during the 1990s. So yes, we are once again back in Prince's sheets. So let's go ahead and start off with our very first lady, Robin Power Royal, as she goes by now. So Robin Power, which if many of y'all probably wouldn't recognize her, or maybe you would, but she was in uh, the movie Graffiti Bridge. She played Morris Day's girlfriend. And I didn't know this, but apparently her character was Billy's daughter. So Billy was the uh, club owner in uh, the first Purple Rain. Well, not the only Purple Rain. They tried to say that Graffiti Bridge was like supposed to be a sequel to Purple Rain, but we all know that it wasn't. Uh, but anyway, so she was playing Billy's daughter and, uh, Morris Day was her boyfriend and she was the lady who she like, she had like a little, like a little rap song, the one or number one, uh, that she did when they were back in Morris's apartment. And she's also the same lady, uh, that, uh, Jerome Bitten, he had took off like her fur coat and had, uh, placed it, you know, on the ground, in the water, allowing Morris Day to walk over it. Yeah, so that's who we're talking about. She was also in the extended version video for Thieves in the Temple. So if you've ever seen that, it is on YouTube. Check it out. Uh, She has done a lot of work. Even before she um, met Prince, she was in music videos. She was a soul train dancer. She was an extra in movies like um, Coming to America. She played one of the models uh, that was at the uh, the uh, place. The I think it was like what, like the school or something where Eddie Murphy's character meets his future wife at that little fundraiser they had at the school. It looks like they were like in in a gymnasium or something. So she was one of the models. Her and her friend, her roommate at the time. So she did that. She did. Uh, that uh, she was in a music video for that song, uh, Bust the Move. Don't just stand there, bust the move. And she was in there busting it, y'all. She had on some shades. I think she had her hair kind of up in these like ponytails. And I think she wore all black. So go check out that uh, that music video, Bust the Move. It was MC, oh, I can't remember his name, but MC something. Um, but she was in that music video. And then she was also a soul train dancer for about two years. And so... She ended up doing all this because she left Chicago, which is where she's from, and she moved out to L.A. And she did that because she was actually a Chicago Bulls uh, cheerleader. Uh, And she went out there to L.A. because one of her fellow cheerleaders decided to move, and she decided to move with her. And so she uh, stayed with this this friend of hers, and that's how she was kind of able to, and her friend was interested in wanting to be like an actress and, you know, and so she started going on all of these, you know, auditions and stuff. And so that's how she got to be into coming to America. So anyway, fast forward to about, I don't know, she didn't really give any years, but I, I would have to say maybe around 19, because she said the Purple Rain tour, because she went, she went uh, to, to the Dirty Mind uh, tour uh, she uh, went on a date to the Dirty Mind tour. And then she also did a Purple Rain tour. She did a concert. And actually, it was after the Purple Rain tour concert that she met Prince, but not like 
like they had they had made the introduction but it would be like I don't know maybe I don't know what the timeline is for that but I would say <clears throat> maybe uh maybe another year or two after that I'm not real sure because she said that Miko was the one who told her after the Purple Rain tour concert that they were going to be uh going back to the Hilton and so that's how she ended up going back to the Hilton her and her friend and so um she went and uh, she ended up giving Prince a gift from another lady who asked Robin to give her a gift. And so uh, they kind of made the introductions. Prince said, hello, my name is Prince. And, you know, she said she was Robin. And so they really didn't get a chance to really, you know, talk or anything then. But the second time that uh, she got to officially meet him was through another friend, this girl named uh, Diana Mendoza, who was uh, her roommate. And Diana apparently was dating Prince or knew, I, I think that was kind of the connotation was that she was, you know, a friend of Prince and kind of, I guess, dating him on the, on the side. And, and the way that Robin kind of insinuated that her and Diana were really good friends, uh, uh, because, um, Robin power is of course bisexual. And I say, of course, y'all may have not known that, but she is bisexual. And so, <clears throat> so she might, have been she kind of insinuated that her and Diana were really 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 good friends if you know what I mean so um so Diana was going to make the introductions for her for Prince because Prince was looking for a um a female rapper and so Diana was like well he's going to be at this club and we'll just make the introductions and so they went to this club called I think she said it was Paradise 24 and she met Prince in the VIP and Prince was kind of, you know, trying to be messy up front. He told Robin, he was like, well, go tell Diana that you're coming home with me tonight. And so <laughs> Robin relayed the message. And, um, and so Diana, I don't know what, I can't remember what her response was, but I mean, but what could she do? Because I, I mean, everybody knows at this point that Prince is a player and, you know, he decides who he wants to be with when he wants to be with them. But anyway, nothing happened that night. They all, cause they, they all end up going back to Prince's uh, mansion in the Hollywood Hills. And he ends up listening to uh, Robin's uh, demo because Robin said that she always had her demo tape on her at all times. Because, you know, being in LA, I would assume, you know, you never know when you might meet someone. And so she had this demo of her rapping and um, some lyrics and stuff like that. And so Prince listened to it. He said that he liked the lyrics and he liked her rapping, but he did not like the music. And so she was just excited that, you know, he, he even listened to the song. And so that night she uh, ended up staying a long time. She called her boyfriend who she was staying with at the time to let him know that, hey, I'm going to be over I'm in Prince's house. I'm going to be out kind of late. And so Prince was like, well, let me talk to him. And so uh, he automatically, like he was, he had the phone in his hand for a few seconds and then he hung up. And so Rob was like, why did you hang up on my boyfriend? And, and Prince gonna say, well, he was breathing into the phone. He was breathing into the phone. I, I guess he didn't like how, <laughs> so I don't know. I guess Prince probably just didn't like that Robin was, you know, probably didn't like the fact that Robin had a boyfriend for one. And then for two that, you know, he was using, that she was using his phone to call him. I'm, I'm, that's just, I don't know, my theory. But anyway, so after that encounter, after they hung out at the Hollywood Hills house, uh, it was a little while later that Prince got in touch with her again and told her to come out to Minneapolis and that he had kind of fixed up her demo a little bit and that he was interested in, you know, making an album. 
and that he wanted her to put a group together. And so this is where the Uptown Dames comes into play. So Robin ends up putting together this girls group and they even recorded some tracks. And I don't think the, um, I don't think the album ever got a name because on, when I looked it up on the Prince Vault, it just says untitled Robin Power and the Uptown Dames album. But let me read what it says about it. So it was recorded between late 1989 and early 1991. And only a handful of songs are known to have been recorded for the project before it was abandoned when Robin Power introduced Carmen Electra to Prince. And Robin not only introduced Carmen Electra to Prince, but she introduced a lot of ladies to Prince because, like I said before, Robin Power was uh, bisexual and she really, really loved women. And so she introduced Prince to a lot of women. And in turn, they ended up having quite a few threesomes together. Um, and they were like, pretty much, it sounded like to me that they were basically setting girls out, like literally. Like, uh, and it was mostly like people that, you know, women that Robin knew. And so they would just, you know, get these girls, have sex with them, like have all, you know, type of sexy fun. <laughs> and then some of them would just go about their way. But Robin said she found out later that sometimes Prince would go behind her back and would get, you know, and try to, and would get with some of these girls one-on-one. And she said she didn't really like that. Like she didn't mind that, you know, she loved the threesomes and them all being together. Like she said, if she had her over her way, you know, he, she kind of resented the fact that Prince kind of liked to keep his women separate because Robin, you know, loved women so much to the point she said that, you know, she would have liked to have threesomes with Sheila and Jill Jones and Vanity and who, you know, whoever else, you know, because she, she just loved women like that. But Prince kind of wanted to keep his women separate from each other. Like when he was with them, he was with them, you know, and he wanted to make them feel special. And that's kind of what, you know, Sheila has said about him, what uh, Jill Jones has said, that when he, they were with him, they were with him. You know, he wasn't worried about anybody else. And Robin kind of, kind of, you know, she didn't say that outright, but she made it seem like, you know, he, he could be romantic when he wanted to do, when he wanted to be, but he could also, you know, be an asshole when he wanted to be. And there were a few times where she kind of felt like, you know, he was very controlling and you know, one of the things like he could do whatever he wanted, but his women, no, you had to do what he wanted. And, uh, this one particular night, the night that she met her future husband, Donald Royal, who was a six foot eight basketball player. He would end up playing for the Minnesota Tim- Timberwolves. They, uh, they met at Paisley park at a party. And, um, at this party, Prince was the DJ and he was dancing with Robin for most of the night. And everybody kind of knew that they were a couple and, you know, they were dating or whatever. And, um, then all of a sudden Sheila E comes to Paisley Park. She comes into the party and then she, he like, he automatically like stops dancing. Well, not automatically. He let the song finish according to Robin, but, um, he stops. he automatically stops dancing and, um, goes to talk to Sheila and he talks to Sheila for like the rest of the night almost. So of course this pisses off. Robin Power. She was like, what the fuck? Like, as soon as Sheila walks in, you just decide you want to stop dancing with me? Okay, I got your ass. So, uh, she started dancing with, uh, Donald. And so eventually Prince, you know, got mad too and kind of snatched her up 
and um, you know, took her off the dance floor and she just kind of thought it was funny because she was like, oh, now you mad. You know, you over there talking to Sheila, I'm supposed to just be sitting here waiting on you? Like Robin was not the one, <laughs> you know? She was just like, uh-uh, that's not how this works. And she said that her and Prince often argued about like music and like a lot of the music that was on this album, uh, the Uptown Dames album that was music that she really didn't like. You know, and she told him, like, look, this this doesn't fit me, you know. And so they would often argue about that. And I'm pretty sure that's why, you know, he ended up giving a lot of this music to Carmen. And uh, but I'm going to get to talking about Carmen in a minute. But basically, um, the Uptown Days was supposed to be an album uh, based around Robin Powers group. She got these girls together and they were supposed to put together this album. OK, so let's read about it. OK, Um so they were supposed to, so the group, <clears throat> Uptown Danes was supposed to be, uh, they were supposed to open for Prince on future tours. And they were supposed to be like a rock, a regular live band at his Glam Slam Club. Because at this time he was opening up, you know, those Glam Slam, Glam Slam Clubs. He had one in Minneapolis, he had one in LA, and I think he had one out in Miami, I believe. So the earliest track known to have been recorded with Robin Power as Undercover Lover. And that was on the demo. That's, that's what became of her demo that uh, that she gave to Prince was Undercover Lover. And there's like a little snippet of it on YouTube. So uh, just check it out when you can. It's kind of interesting. She's rapping kind of fast. I didn't really get every, I didn't really get all of the lyrics, but you know, it, it sounded like something that she would do. Um, the song was written, you know, once again by Robin Power. And Prince and Le Levi Cersei Jr. did the music. And actually, the song was broadcast during the New Power Generation radio show in December 1989. And number one was recorded in 1990. It was included in the Graffiti Bridge movie. And that's the part of the movie where she's like uh, acting like she's all mad at uh, Morris, uh, Morris Day. So that's the song that she's kind of rapping. It's called Number One. And it's been a while. Like I said, I keep saying that I'm going to go back and watch Graffiti Bridge and review it for the podcast. And I still haven't gotten around to it. But I will one of these days, I promise. Um, so let's see what else. Um, excuse me. My allergies, y'all, have just been crazy. I don't know. I seem like my allergies are worse during the fall than they are during the spring. And it's just the strangest, strangest, strangest thing. So anyway... So basically this project, because it was never even given a name, it was pretty much abandoned as soon as uh, Prince got with Carmen Electra and he decided to do an album with her and her album, her self-titled album, you know, came out in 1993. And um, so talking about, speaking of Carmen Electra, she's our next lady on the list. And Carmen came into the picture. Of course, that's not her name. Prince gave her that name, Carmen Electra. And I can't remember exactly where he got it from, uh, but that's the name he gave her. And um, so Robin Power went out one night while she was trying to recruit uh, ladies for her band that Prince had told her to put together. And that's how she ended up meet, meeting Tara Patrick. Um, and so he, she basically asked her like, can you sing, can you sing, can you dance, can you do anything? And so Tara told her, like, yeah, I can sing, I can dance, you know, can you rap, can you, you know. She was like, yeah, I can do a little something, something. So she ended up getting 
uh, Tara and auditioned for Prince and Prince, you know, liked her dancing and, uh, he didn't care too much for her rapping or her singing, but he said that he really liked her, you know, her dancing. And, um, he had told Robin at the time that, you know, he, that she should fire everybody, you know, in her group that she didn't, that he didn't like them. But Robin kind of thought that, you know, Prince was just kind of trying to sabotage her because like for the rehearsals, like they were in a room where there weren't any mirrors and like they couldn't see their, you know, their choreography, their steps or any of that. So she just kind of felt like Prince, you know, kind of for whatever reason, he was sabotaging the project to begin with. And maybe by the time he had, you know, met or was introduced to Carmen Lecture through Robin, that maybe he just didn't have an interest. He saw something shiny and new in, in uh, Tara Patrick and decided to just run with that. And I think that's what happened because a lot of these songs that were supposed to be on this Uptown Dames album was on Carmen's uh, album. Like Robin on top became Carmen on top and uh, so on and so on. And so... I think this was around the time I believe that Robin kind of made her exit and that she kind of moved back to LA and kind of did her own thing and her time with Prince kind of ended. And so, uh, after that happened, uh, Tara Patrick, AKA, uh, Carmen Electra came into the picture and she started working with Prince. And initially she had a record deal with another, uh, company out in LA. I think it was Columbia at first, but, um, but Prince kind of talked her into, um, dropping them and coming to work with him. And so that's how they, uh, kind of, uh, got together. She, he was producing music for her and, uh, eventually they started a romantic relationship, but it didn't start off like that from what I understand. And what Carmen has said in her interviews is that, you know, it was strictly a professional relationship for the, for the most part, for the beginning. Uh, but she really didn't specify when the, um, romantic relationship started, but she did say that, you know, Prince just really looked out for her and really, really believed in her and in her and her talent. And she, you know, she always, you know, respected that and loved that about him that, you know, he had this confidence in her, but I haven't heard Carmen Electra's album, but I've heard that it was not that good. And I, uh, I've seen like her music videos. Now she's a decent, she's a, you know, I like her dancing. I, I can say that much. She kind of reminds me a little bit of Maite actually with her dancing a little bit. But, um, but as far as like the singing and the so-called rapping, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan of any of that. <laughs> if I'm being honest, but I mean, she tried, she tried and she did end up opening, uh, of, on the Diamonds and Pearls tour uh, for a couple of days. I don't think it was every day. Uh, but eventually, though, I, Prince just got tired of, you know, how the the audience was kind of reacting to her. And he just sent her packing. And everybody in her band, except for Morris Hayes, who was her keyboardist, he kept him on and kept him for the next 20 years. But everybody else that was in Karma's band got fired. And, um... And eventually Carmen did kind of what Robin did. She ended up moving, uh, moving out of Minneapolis and moving and setting up in LA. And we know from there that, you know, she would go on to be like this, uh, uh, darling, you know, movie star. And, uh, she would do a lot of TV and, 
Uh, what else? But she became really famous when she did Baywatch. And I don't think she did that till like 1996. But if it wasn't for Prince, we wouldn't, we wouldn't know who Carmen Electra was, you know? And as far as their romantic relationship, all I know is that, um, you know, after she started sleeping with him, like she kind of stopped, you know, doing the music side of it for a while. And, uh, but he was, you know, like I said, Prince was very controlling with his women. Like he could do whatever he wanted, but they couldn't. And so Carmen said that she just, you know, innocently went out to eat with a male friend of hers. And then the next thing you know, he's writing, I hate you because of that. <laughs> and she said it really hurt her feelings because she was just like, nothing happened. Even though the other uh, gossip blogs are claiming that she slept with this guy. But according to Carmen, she said, no, I just went out and had, you know, had breakfast with him, had brunch. And next thing I know, you know, he's writing, I hate you. <laughs> So there's that. I don't know. So I don't have much to say about their romantic relationship only because, you know, Carmen hasn't really said a whole lot other than to say that, you know, he was, you know, very nice to her and, you know, spent all types of money on her. And she went on on kind of sh shopping sprees and he just treated her very well. And um, what I kind of didn't like, though, is that Maite and Manuela, for whatever reason, when they had their memorial service after Prince passed away, they did not invite Carmen Electra. And she had wanted to go. And she had expressed, you know, in uh, <clears throat> in the press how she didn't appreciate that. And she didn't understand after all these years why. And she knew it was Maite. She kind of she kind of thought that it was just it was Maite's doing more so than Manuela's. Uh, that was that who decided that she couldn't be at the memorial because they had like two private memorial services for Prince. One that was put on by both of his ex-wives. And then they had another one. I think that the family did and they excluded a lot of people like the revolution wasn't invited. And it was, you know, some other people too that, you know, I'm just like, why? I mean, it was just like crazy around the time that, uh, Prince died and you know all this drama that was going on that people were still like holding old grudges you know it just it was just pathetic uh but um Carmen always spoke very highly of Prince and just like our next lady Troy Bear she also spoke uh highly of Prince uh and uh she was also you know very upset of to hear his passing now they did not date for very long now, Troy Bear was the girl that was in the sexy MF video, the one that, you know, he grabbed her butt. Uh, that was Troy Bear. And uh, she also did, um, like, some other, like, little music videos. And when they did, like, a, a special, I can't remember the name of the special, but they did, like, some kind of tribute to Prince. She did, like, the hosting. And she also did a lot of hosting at the Glam Slam clubs as well. So, but most people know her from the sexy MF video, though. So they dated and how they uh, actually met was because Prince had someone, his, some, you know, had his team basically call her up because she, I guess he watched Dynasty, which of course he would because in the lyrics to Kiss, he says, you don't have to watch Dynasty to have an attitude. So Troy was in Dynasty. It wasn't the first season of Dynasty, but it was her first season of Dynasty. And I guess Prince saw her and it was just like, oh, she's cute, you know, so I want to get to know her. So that's basically how they met. Uh, someone from Prince's team called her and said, hey, Prince would like to meet you. And so they dated, not for too long, 
But uh, Troy did say that she felt like she probably drove Prince bananas, her words, because she just wasn't in a really good headspace when she was younger. Like now she's like a doctor and would like not like a, a medical doctor, but like she's like more like a psychologist now and uh, she's doing very well for herself she's married seems like she's really happy but back when she was you know younger she said that you know she had a hard life growing up and her and her mother still aren't you know is on speaking terms because they had you know that her mother they had such a toxic relationship and she said when she was younger she grew up believing that you know women just you know tolerated men that they only had men around for when they needed to have babies and that was basically it and one of the rumors uh, that uh, I found about their relationship was the fact that Troy was supposedly pregnant by Prince and that she either had a miscarriage or that she had an abortion. I'm not sure which, but supposedly she was pregnant at some point. And then at some point she was not. Uh, but, but anyway, so she said in her interview that that's what she was brought up to believe that, um, that men were only good for when you wanted to have a baby and that's it. And she said that, you know, she had a really bad temper. And she said, she said she was a bitch at this time. And she said there was another boyfriend that she had. She beat his ass. She said, I beat that ass. <laughs> she said that she said, I beat his ass. So I, I don't think it was Prince. Because <laughs> I, I would think that she would have specified if it was. But she just said that she was just not, you know, she just wasn't really, you know, relationship material. And I'm assuming that's probably why they were not together for too long. Because the only thing she said she knew for sure is that she messed up in her relationship with Prince and that she drove him bananas. <laughs> so she said that she kind of regretted how she acted with him. And that was one of probably the three relationships that she most regretted, you know, that regretted her actions in. But she said that she remained you know, a Prince fan, you know, for the for the remainder of his life. And she's still a Prince fan to this day. So that's Troy Bear. So up next, we have Nona Gay. So like I said, I'm not really giving timelines because to be honest, all of these women, <laughs> you know, prior to him marrying Maite, once again, are calling all within between, I would say between 1990 and let's say 1994. You know, including Maite. You can include Maite in that because he started messing with Maite in like 93. So she's, of course, going to be the last lady that we talk about. But Nona Gay, supposedly, she started dating Prince when she was 18 in about 91. And um, I really couldn't find out any information about how they met. But I'm assuming maybe they ran in some of the same circles because, of course, uh, Nona Gay is uh, Marvin Gay's daughter. And so, you know, a lot of celebrities kind of, you know, at times run in the same circles. But something that Nona did say in an interview that I found interesting was that when she met Prince, you know, she was also kind of going through some things and that she was having some issues with substance abuse. And she was just, you know, also dealing with uh, feelings of abandonment because her and her mother didn't have the best relationship. And uh, so she just was going through a lot, but she was quoted in 1994 of saying this about Prince. She said, people can say whatever they want to say. That happens all the time. When you see two people hang out together, you just assume. And people can assume as much as they like, but my business is my own business. He's my best friend, talking about Prince. 
So I'm assuming somebody must have asked her, hey, are you guys dating? And like a lot of, you know, princess women, you know, she chose to kind of keep, keep it to herself and not really reveal a whole lot. And I don't really know how much of that was her doing or how much of that was Prince's doing. Because Prince, like I said, he was very controlling of his women. And when he told them, hey, like, look, we need to keep this between us. I mean, a lot of them, even to this day, will, you know, say, hey, you know, we were just friends. You know, we, nothing was really going on. And the whole time they had a whole damn relationship. <laughs> you know, you just never know with some of these women. So a lot of these women that I know that were in Prince's life for a while and who claimed that, oh, we were just friends. I'm just kind of leery of that. And maybe I shouldn't be because it's really none of my fucking business. But <laughs> be that as it may, I'm kind of leery of that because I'm just like, so you was hanging out with this nigga all this time and y'all was just friends. And not to say that he couldn't have female friends, but you know, y'all know what I'm saying. Uh, okay, I had to take a drink. All right, so I'm back. So going back to Nona, she said uh, Prince had, um, you know, he had charisma. You know, he had that confidence, the good looks and everything that, you know, was attractive. You know, he had that rock star image that she really liked and was kind of used to I mean because her father once again was Marvin Gaye so you know she was kind of already used to kind of that like that rock star lifestyle and uh let's see what else hmm. I'm looking at this article where she talks about um her relationship with Prince uh of course we like and it says right here in the article Prince was a well-known serial dater and never seemed to limit himself in just one relationship at a time. His relationship with Nona stood out because both seemed to have a tragic family history of dysfunction and loss. And maybe that's how they bonded. Who knows? In some ways, Nina seemed a bit more real than some of the ladies who came before her. Nona's exquisite features and bronze cheekbones made her a natural beauty and a strong force Prince just couldn't pass up. And although they dated for three years, Nona said she never really knew the man she was dating. When asked about her relationship with Prince, Nona told Esquire magazine, I was 17, 18. It was very strange, a whirlwind of head trips and mind screws. Now, if you'll just go back to what uh, I said about Robin Power and the fact that Robin Power said that Prince would like to play mind games with, with, with his women. And really in people in general, but especially with women. And so we see here that um, Nona Gaya saying that it was a whirlwind of head trips and mind games. In three years, I dated him and didn't know him and really never let him know me either. So they had a romance of sorts, but it was just both like they were just kind of playing with each other. That's what it sounds like to me. Prince had reportedly proposed to Nona before breaking up with her. The worst blow was the way she found out that the man she was in love with had chosen another. Prince invited Nona to a show and she quickly figured things out when she saw Maite wearing an engagement ring. The entire thing was upsetting and devastating to say the least. Nona says that she was shocked when she found out that Prince and Maite were engaged. To make matters worse, she says Prince didn't tell her about the engagement and she had to hear about it secondhand. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is fucked up. And you know that I love Prince to death, but that is just fucked up. The rumors were that Prince ended the relationship because of Nona's drug use. 
When asked if she ever got caught up in doing drugs, Nona was quoted in Esquire magazine as saying, I had a very, very dark, murky period. And that was part of the time that I took off from my career to get my life in order and get sober. I indulged in a lot of things, but I realized nothing good was going to come to me until I cleaned up my act. I got sober and found out I was pregnant not too long after my son, Nolan. I'm just so past, I am, oh, hold on, let me go back. I'm so past feeling like I need to alter my mind to having a good time. My son alters my mind. He makes me high. During the three years that Nona and Prince dated, she recorded four songs with him, including Love Sign, A Woman's Gotta Have It. Nona also recorded two unreleased tracks, A Thousand Hugs and Kisses, which has now been released, of course, and Snowman, which Snowman is one of my personal favorite unreleased songs. She has an absolutely beautiful voice in it. As an actress, of course, she would go on and play in The Matrix and, you know, yada, yada, yada. But going back to her being pregnant. Now, there's a, a, a YouTuber called Ashley Says So. And she does like old Hollywood, you know, gossip stories. And she had an episode that she did on Prince. And in this episode, she says that Nona Gay also got pregnant by Prince. And that he actually made Nona get an abortion. So like I said, Ashley even said in her episode that she, you know, she can't really verify any of this stuff. This is just hearsay. And I'm going to say the same, that this is just hearsay, that we don't know for sure. But that is the rumor that Nona got pregnant by Prince and that Prince had made her get an abortion. Uh, can it be true? Possibly. But it could just be rumor. We don't know. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, she also took over the film role for Aaliyah in uh after Aaliyah died uh because uh, uh actually Aaliyah was supposed to be in the matrix the revolution but because of her death Nona was able to get that role uh let's see what else mm, I think that's it for Nona Gay like you know they were together for a while and then you know then bam here come Maite with an engagement ring and it was over just like that and you know a lot of people you know want to try to say that Prince is a colorist and that, you know, he really didn't date black women, but we honestly don't know a whole lot, even during this period, about his love life, to say that, because not only did he date Nona, but, you know, he also dated other black women that we may never know about, and uh, Kim Berry pointed that out in her book, that Prince also did date black women, you know, she, she said that, you know, he had a lot of dark-skinned beauties that would come uh, to Paisley Park to get their hair done by her, so they could go out on dates with Prince. So a lot of people, like I said, want to say that he's a colorist and that he has a certain type. All men have certain types, you know, so it's not just Prince. And yeah, you could say that Prince did have a type, uh, his type, you know, being kind of vanity, you know, as, how did uh, Kim Berry put it? vanity is. <laughs> so, I mean, and yeah, I mean, his second wife, Manuela, is basically a vanity clone, like really. And a lot of his, you know, women have kind of an exotic look to them. But I mean, like I said, I always, I never had a problem with Prince and his type of women, you know, and I think most of the women that do have a problem with his type are just mad because, you know, he wouldn't get with them, <laughs> you know, like I know that I'm not his type. And honestly, I had a little, um, a little post on the Facebook page not too long ago talking about, you know, well, what, 
you know, what kind of relationship role would Prince be to you? And I said that I could never date him. Yes, I'm attracted to him, but I could never date him because he is too controlling and I like my freedom. <laughs> you know, like I would rather just sit around and talk to Prince all day about music. That's what I would do. Like we would just be friends, be homies, be kicking it. I wouldn't be trying to sleep with him or none of that. Like I just, because as soon as you have sex with him, he's like, you know, you're his and that's it. And you can only do what he wants you to do, wear what, you know, he wants you to wear, eat what he wants you to eat. Like he's one of those type of people, those type of men. And I'm just like, uh, miss me with that. <laughs> okay. Like I said, I love Prince, but you know, just like everybody else, you know, he has his good side, his bad side. He's a flawed human being. I don't hold anything against him. Um, I mean, because he is who he is. And I mean, that's just, that's just that. So finally, <laughs> moving on, our last lady is of course, Maite Garcia. So he met Maite uh, at, uh, after a uh, concert during the nude tour in Germany. And I think the date was July 25th, 1990, I believe. And they met because of um, Maite's mother, Nellie. She kept on going to these different Prince concerts, uh, trying to pawn off uh, Maite's belly dancing tape. To, she wanted to get Prince to see it, to possibly hire Maite as a dancer. And that's eventually what happened. After he saw the tape, he uh, started you know, writing to Maite. She was 16 at the time that they met. Uh, but at the time, you know, they were just kind of pen palling it you know, kind of writing letters back and forth. She did come and hang out with him one night at a hotel when she was 16. She says nothing happened. And I believe her, you know, you know, a lot of people just like, oh, but I, I believe her. And Prince wasn't stupid. Like he has a whole song called 18 and over. I want to bone you. He wasn't going. Okay. So I really believe her when she said that nothing happened and all they did was eat popcorn and watch, you know, videos and movies and whatnot. But that was only one night that she talked about. Uh, all the other times, you know, they were just basically just kind of writing back and forth. And she said in the very beginning, you know, even after she was hired on as a dancer for the new power generation, they very much had like a brother, like big brother, little sister relationship. She said it was very, very plutonic. Uh, nothing romantic, sexual, none of that. Um, and that Pris kind of just kind of looked out for her, you know. And she appreciated that, you know, the friendship that they were cultivating. And, um, and it was like that, you know, for a good, like two years or so until about 1993, she said it, it, right after around the time that she turned 19 is when they started their sexual relationship. And she said that, uh, in her book, she said that it finally became sexual or right or soon thereafter, after he said, you know, it's time for you to go on birth control. And he mentioned that during when they were shooting the video for seven. And uh, she said at the time, she was just like, you know, she was so stupid when he said it's time. And she was like, time for what? <laughs> and he said, it's time for you to get on birth control. And not too soon after that, you know, they started having a sexual relationship. And Maite, what made her stand out, I think, from all the other women is that, you know, she was kind of like Robin Power and that, that she didn't mind the other women you know, but at the same time, she wasn't like Robin in that, like she wasn't hopping in, you know, she wasn't bisexual. She wasn't trying to hop in the bed and have sex with all the women that, <laughs> that, uh, he was having sex with. She just like, you know, she just didn't worry about it. You know, she just kind of put it in the back of her mind. 
She just wanted to focus on, you know, her career and focus on keeping Prince happy. And I think that's what set her apart, I think, from all the other women. Is while she, you know, wanted to have a career and all this, she was willing to just make Prince happy. And I think all the other women, they wanted other things that kind of kept them, you know, not completely committed to Prince in the way that he would want them to be, if that makes sense. Like Carmen, you know, she had her eye on her career. Robin had her eye on a career and other things. And um, Nona as well. Like they all had interest in careers. And not to say that Maite didn't, but I don't think she did to the extent that they did. So she had more time to kind of devote herself once they started to really become a couple and got engaged and all that to really devote more of her time to Prince. And of course, after they got married and she got pregnant, you know, she had pretty much stopped working at that point. And we all know about, you know, what happened with uh, Prince and um, uh, their baby and all that. I don't have to go into all that. <clears throat> Just, uh, but I mean, it is tragic, you know, what happened to the baby. The baby did pass away and uh, the baby was uh, horribly deformed. It had um, a disease called um, Pfeiffer Syndrome 2, I believe. And, um, I mean, it just breaks my heart, you know, when I was reading my taste book, which I will, of course, be reviewing for the podcast at some point. Um, it just broke my heart that, you know, that he died the way he did and that, you know, he only lived for six days and that Prince and Maite were both devastated and Maite, you know, tried to kill herself, uh, before, you know, she ended up getting pregnant again, but she ended up having a miscarriage for that second baby. And then, all of that heartache and, you know, death and grief just ruined their marriage, unfortunately, I think. And Prince, I don't think he ever really knew how to deal with the death of his of his son. And that's, you know, when other people were allowed to come into his life and kind of, you know, guide him toward other things. And you know who I'm talking about, Larry Graham. Uh, and that whole, you know, Jehovah's Witness thing he started. Because I think at that point, Prince was looking for answers. I think he was vulnerable and he was really not so much questioning God, but just trying to figure out, you know, figure out what was going on in the world, like where his life was going, his spiritual journey. You know, I think he was sensing that something wasn't right in his spirit. And maybe that's what led to his son's death. You know, this is just me talking. I, I don't know for sure. You know, no, nobody really knows for sure, you know, what Prince was thinking. But I think that, you know, that was the spark that made him want to, you know, look more at his spirituality after his son's death. But anyway, so um, Maite, they were married from 96 to about 2000, I think is when um, they divorced. And they had a whole press conference about the divorce, unbeknown to Maite. Uh, They were doing, um, because, you know, at this time, Prince was still going through his, you know, his uh, drama with uh, Warner Brothers and he just wanted, he just hated all contracts. Like he's like, I, I'm done. I'm done with all contracts. And, um, and one of the contracts I want to be done with is my marriage. And <laughs> he basically just said this at a press conference and you can tell like the press conference is on YouTube. You can tell by the way that Maite is looking and like she had started, you know, the press conference holding his hand. And by the end of the con, by the end of the conference, when Prince has said that statement, that he she just kind of like moved her hand slowly back away from him, like she was just like, "What? 
Like, I've gone through all this. I've had your baby. I've put up with all of your bullshit, put up with all these women, and now you're just, you just want to be done? Like, I can only imagine how my Tay must have felt. And like I said, I she, out of all of the women, I think that she probably put up with the most shit and put up, I mean, I mean, not to say that Jill Jones didn't and, you know, the people and the women from the 80s, I'm, they, they put up with shit too. But not in the same way that Maite did because I, I'm going to just put it like this. I feel like to a certain extent, Maite ate shit with a knife and fork and wanted and just, just had to be okay with it, you know. And after a while, she wasn't. And don't get me wrong, I'm not completely team Maite. There are some things about Maite that I can say that I really don't care for and she's not completely innocent. But at the same time, I also feel like that um, that Prince kind of did her dirty. You know, he really did. Like he, even though he may have really loved her and cared about her, you know, to, to the best of his ability at one point. But I really feel like he could have done better by by his by his wife, by the the woman who you know bore his son. And like I said, but who am I to judge? I mean, he's not here to defend himself anymore. So I'm not going to sit here and bash him for it. But, you know, I'm sure Maite has made her peace with it because she has never really said anything too terrible about him. Um, So, you know, she still loves him and cares about him. And she, you know, is still active in the Prince community. And that's all that really matters. So there's that. So... Uh, there is that. That is the episode. So not as bad, I don't think, as the first sex of it episode. Uh, so I will, like I said, I have a third part coming up once we get to the 2000s. Right now, we're still in the 90s. So I still got to do like the next album review is going to be uh, the Come album. I've got another book review coming up. I've got to get a hold of that more stay book because for some reason they did have it at my local library and now they don't for some reason. So I'm probably going to have to purchase it and reread it because so, I want to uh, review that for the Purple Kingdom episode. So I've got that coming up. So thank you guys as always for listening and I just can't thank you guys enough. I am at 89 subscribers on Spotify. So I'm so excited about that. So like I said, just keep spreading the word about my podcast. And until I can see y'all guys again, or see y'all hear me again, I don't know why I always say see (laughs) y'all. Y'all can't see me. Well, you can actually, if you join the Facebook page, you can see me. So we're about a little over 1500 people on the Facebook page. So Please, 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 if you haven't already, please join the Facebook page and also uh, follow uh, the podcast on Instagram as well. It's uh, shades underscore of underscore purple podcast. So check me out, y'all. So I'm going to end the episode right here. So thank you guys again for listening. And until I hear you guys again, until y'all hear me again, (laughs) peace and be wild and may you live to see the dawn. Bye.